It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. There are a lot of really good Bible verses that we've come across in Acts so far. We're only up to chapter 8, but one, uh, Bert, that I really like is Acts 5.42 that says, Daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland, so honored that you're listening. Here's the number. You can call with a Bible question because this is Fire Away Friday, all questions, all of the hour. Here's the number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Hey, Bert, what kind of world would it be if the church really did, every church lived up to Acts 5.42, that daily in the temple and in every house we cease not to teach and preach Jesus? What kind of world would that result in? Well, let me share with you what that did result in is people saying these are the people who turned the world upside down. In other words, the Roman power was just horrible, multi-gods and just just uh, morally corrupt. And these yes. people who were worshiping, sharing Jesus, they changed the world. We would change our world, and I pray we will. And Alex, uh, that's what we try to do on Exploring the Word, American Family Radio. Uh, That's our goal, that people would know Jesus Christ as Savior and that they would go out and share and be all that God wants them to be. So let's do it. Let's let's live like Christ. Well, um, I've got to ask, and we're going to get to the phone calls, folks. Your Bible question can be uh, any Bible-related question, biblical worldview, we'll do our best to give you an answer. It's 888-589-8840. Bert, um, you'll be in a pulpit this Sunday. I'll be in a pulpit in North Carolina. I'm actually going to be at Southside Baptist Church, where they so graciously give us office and studio space here. Pastor Howard McNeil is in Canada on a mission trip, and I just talked to him a moment ago, and I have the privilege of preaching and um, a church that supports exploring the Word, you might say, because they give us offices and Amen. studio space. But if you're in the Greensboro, North Carolina area, 10 a.m. Sunday, I'll be there. Where will you be preaching, Bert? I'll be at Auburn Baptist Church here in Tupelo, Mississippi area. I'll be there. They have two services, 830 and 1045, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to be preaching from Philippians chapter 2 about the fellowship of his suffering, but before that, the power of the resurrection. So we're going to look at that, the difference that it makes in lives, and I would invite people to come out. And I want you to thank uh, your church there for letting you yes. uh, broadcast from there. If you don't mind, tell the pastor, man, we appreciate it. And uh, the only negative about that, we don't get to hear Esther as much as we used to. That's the only negative that I've come up with that I know know. of, man. You need to just bring her with with you someday and uh, and reintroduce her to the radio audience. Yeah, If those of you that are listening don't know who Esther is, that is Alex's Angie's dog, and he would, uh, she would make herself known every once in a while. So we miss well, that. Well, she, she's my canine amen corner. <laughs> amen. Uh, 
But, uh, well, listen, folks, I see these calls coming in. And, uh, again, 888-589-8840 on today's edition of Exploring the Word, Fire Away Friday. So, Bert, uh, where shall we begin? Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Mark. Welcome, Mark. Hey, Mark. I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, listen, uh, I'm a preacher's kid, but I grew up, you know, there's a lot of Scripture speaks to us living holy lives but also the, uh, the sanctification and perfection. Do you guys consider those three terms to be uh, one and the same? And if not, how are they different? Okay. Well, obviously, the wording is different. Uh, I, I would say this. When you look at you're looking at a process, uh, you're looking at a goal, and, and I think uh, those two things, uh, sanctification – uh, is a continual process, Alex. You know, they yeah. sanctified the Lord God in their heart. That's from First Peter three fifteen. Uh, that is a process. Holiness is who we are. We we be ye holy, for I'm holy. So that's who we should be. And perfection is what God is developing in us. Would you change that yes. around, Denny? Well, you know, Hebrews twelve fourteen says that believers are to quote. Pursue holiness without which we will not see the Lord. It's interesting. There are in the New Testament there are five words for holiness, and they're all descended from this one word hagios. You know, and by the way, in writing, if if somebody writes say hagiography, it means they're just uh, it's a very complimentary book. But here's the thing: sanctification. Uh, there's there's positional progressive, and then ultimate. Bert, when we get saved, we put our faith in Christ, we're born again, positionally we are in Christ, we're a new creature. I love, did you ever see the late, great Charles Stanley preach this sermon he had about the imputed righteousness of Christ? And he he had these slides, I used to see him do this on TV, and I don't know how it worked, but he had like these... um, transparencies like you might put on an overhead projector and there was black and we're guilty in sin but then the he somehow or another just with a twitch of his hand it turns clear and we're not just innocent though and it becomes red because we're washed in the blood of Christ but then it becomes white that we are imputed with the righteousness of Christ now how he did that from black to clear to red to white, I don't know. But the reason I'm telling you is this. Positionally, we are in Christ. The Father does not see sin or guilt. He sees the holiness of his own Son. But then we are progressively to be more and more uh, hagios, more and more holy, sanctified, as obeying Christ becomes our habit. You know, maybe when you first get saved, pursuing righteousness is sort of new to you. But then the longer you walk with Christ, it just becomes natural because you you're walking in the newness of life. But, Bert, one day we're going to be ultimately sanctified. In other words, we'll get that glorified body. We are. And it is an adventure. Let me just share with you. And, Mark, we hope that does uh, help. That was a good question, and I appreciate it. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Clint. Welcome, Clint. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Go right ahead. I have a question regarding regarding, uh, your view of Matthew 23, 9, after I heard you 
interviewing a priest, uh, last week, and uh, you were addressing him as father, and that seems to me to be in conflict with that verse. Alex, I guess mm. that's for you. Yeah, I interviewed um, Father Frank Pavone, who is a Roman Catholic priest. He spoke at NRB. Um, he founded something called Priests for Life, and and Clint, thanks for bringing him up. He's really, in my opinion, kind of a modern-day hero uh, for two reasons. One, he, well, three reasons, let me say this. For one, he, he preaches the gospel. I mean, he preaches that you have to be born again and put your uh, faith in Jesus, which is pretty rare for a man that was originally ordained in the Catholic Church. He preaches like Billy Graham. The other reason that he's a hero is because of his stand for life, and really he's probably, like few other people, um, stood up for the unborn and stood against abortion in our country. But another reason that he's a hero, he just had his ordination revoked by the Roman Catholic Church by Pope Francis, who's very liberal. Father Frank Pavone had his ordination revoked because he would not cave in to the LGBTQ trans, uh, the what I call the alphabet mafia, the 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 you know LGBT. So he, by standing for traditional biblical morality. He was willing to sacrifice, and his ordination was taken away. Now, Matthew 23, 9 says, On earth call no man father, for there's one father in heaven. And and I know we in Protestantism, we don't have priests that we call Father Harper or Father McFarland. Uh, Bert, I, get, I even get uncomfortable when people call me like Reverend yeah. Alex, because only God is to be revered. Um, you know, it's funny, Clint, I thought about that with all the love and appreciation I have for Frank Pavone. You know, I thought about that even as I was interviewing him, but I, I did call him Father because that's what it says on his bio, and I was trying to be respectful. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that I acquiesce to all Roman Catholic doctrine, and even he wouldn't anymore. He's not even really Catholic clergy anymore. He's just a Christian evangelist. But um, I did it out of respect. Um, but in the Matthew 23, 9, you know, I, I, what it really means is that we're not calling anyone, any human being, our Lord. Only God, the Father, is our Lord, Creator, and Savior. And Bert, even in the more high church denominations that have priests and call their clergy, you know, Father this or... Here in North Carolina, we've had a financial supporter um, that is a very, very gospel-centered Catholic priest that supports our ministry, and um, I've I've honored his preferred title, but I don't mean I don't think he's God, and I, even the most ardent, you know, high church Catholic or Episcopal or Anglican wouldn't think that their clergy is God. So honestly, I know the Matthew twenty three nine. Um, I'm not completely comfortable with it either. But I don't think in honoring another fellow clergyman, I don't think we're violating that because we're not really viewing them as deity. I understand Clint's struggle. I struggle with it. And then you have this person that you respect, like 
Frank Perone, and it is difficult. And so I think each person has to answer that for themselves. I would agree to that. I know it's just a minute, but Lynn from Illinois, uh, Lynn, we may have to carry you over into the next uh, segment, but tell us your question. Okay, my question is, if you could only pick one scripture out of the Bible to tell someone about Jesus, um, to do the most impact to get them to heaven, um, what would that be? And um, the reason I'm asking is I'm trying to find a scripture to put on my father's tombstone, who passed away two years ago, that I want the most impact from that. Way to go. Amen. We're going to answer that. We're going to carry you over, so stay on. But let me share with you. That is stewardship of your father's desire. Putting that message on that headstone that would cause people to stop and think. This is Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex here. And right after this break, we'll be back with more of your Bible questions. It's a new Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Birdie and Alex with us, and Lynn is online. She is asking a question, and I love this, Lynn, what you're doing. Looking for a Bible verse that would share the gospel as much as she could about Jesus on her father's headstone who went to be of the Lord two years ago. Lynn, uh, again, what a way, evangelism, and that shows you what you can do uh, all the way through life and death. Uh, I came, listen, there's several. But I love Acts 16:31 when it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now, when you work, look at the word believe, it has the word, it means faith. And sometimes belief can make people think, well, I, I believe that already. And, and a good translation of that meaning is trust. Trust on the Lord Jesus Christ or trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So you could do that variant and still be in good shape concerning the scriptures. Alex, do you have a scripture verse suggest for Lynn? I guess I couldn't do better than John 3.16. That was my other one. And I said, I'm going to go a little different because I figured Alex McFarland would say John 3.16. <laughs> yeah. But Lynn, that is it, awesome. Uh, was your daddy a believer? He sure was. He He's a great man, and I wanted to honor him, but more importantly, I want to honor Jesus because, in fact, on the back side where you would normally put your last name, it faces a street that's really um, well-traveled, and I thought, you know, what if I just put Jesus great big on the back? I don't know how my family and everybody would go for that, but I thought, you know what? It's almost like a billboard because, and also, when you go to the cemetery, you're going there to grieve, and, and you're going there to face uh, death, and yeah. to it's in your face. And so I thought, you know, sometimes people stand around or they walk around in the cemetery a little bit, or they, you know, go to visit. And I thought, what better place to witness to somebody in the Amen. cemetery who's facing death and thinking about death? Amen, Lynn. Uh, I appreciate that very, very much. And I'm one of those. I, I, enjoy, and I enjoy visiting cemeteries. And what do I do? I look at the headstones, see what all they say. So I, I think it would be a great, great evangelistic tool. Lynn, thank you for that call. Let's go to North Carolina, the home of Alex McFarland, and talk to Ryan. Welcome, Ryan. Good good evening. Yes. And I am a first time and I am a first time caller. Well, I'm glad you got through. Let me ask this question. You may be neighbors with Alex. What part of North Carolina 
do you live in, Ryan? Pembroke, North Carolina. You know where that oh, is, Alex? I do. I do. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you for calling. Well, go ahead with your question, Ryan. Uh, my question is, when we go to heaven, our husbands and wife and our family, the ones that make it, um, are we still going to have our same husband? Are we going to be our? Are we going to be husband and wife in heaven? And our and is our kids and, re, and and is our kids going to be with us as a family? And if we've been married two or three times, are we? Are, 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 um, how does that work if we're going to be with our spouse that we're married to? Okay, you're not the first person to ask that. They was trying to trick Jesus up, and they said the man that has been married six, seven times, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Whose who's wife would she be uh, in heaven? And Alex, Jesus said in heaven, there's neither marriage nor given in marriage. What all does that mean? Yeah, well, that's Matthew twenty two thirty. That's right. I really think in heaven our relationships will be so close that uh, e- even the closest spouse relationship on earth will pale in comparison to the love that we'll all have in heaven. Remember, it says perfect love casts out fear. There'll be no fear or no jealousy or no selfishness. Uh, it'll be perfect love. And so I, I do think we'll probably know because, um, you know, First Corinthians 13 talks about in heaven we will know as we are known. Well, how are we known here? thoroughly. God knows us. But it'll be a perfect state. Um, Every born-again person will be there. Uh, And yes, there'll be people that were married. There'll there'll be what were some love triangles on earth. I don't think that'll matter because it'll be a perfected, holy state of relationships, won't it? It really is. And and that's, uh, that's, uh, it's beyond our comprehension. Let me just share that with you, Ryan. I understand the question, but in heaven, listen, we're going to experience that which we've looked forward to, uh, that perfect love, that completed love that we have for one another. And uh, I think we'll recognize them as, but not live as. And I think that's the key words, Alex, recognize, but not live. It's a different life there. And so I praise the Lord for that. Ryan, thank you. Let's go to Iowa and talk to Don. Welcome, Don. Hello, hello. It's hot here in Iowa. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, it was 92 degrees, and I spent all morning cutting down a big mulberry tree. Wow. Well, listen, I hope you don't get too hot, man. That's hot, 92. Yeah, well, we're used to it here in Iowa. We need some rain. Okay. I've got a good Go ahead. A young man, a young man named Dylan has asked me this question, as he put it. Um, uh, his big question is here, if God has all our lives decided for, if he knows exactly how the world will end, he knows exactly how many people are going to live everlasting life with him, why did he not do that from the beginning? He didn't know that, Ad, didn't, he didn't know that Adam and Eve would betray him, or is that the one thing that he did not know? I understand that there is a purpose that he has that you and I do not and will not understand, but I guess I'm trying to understand it. I may be overlooking a huge, crucial point. Now, here's, here's the truth. I've got, I've got answers for him, but 
man, I could use some good wisdom from you guys. Okay. Well, let me share with you, Don. Thank you for that question. It is a question that we uh, think on and, and look at. Let me just share this with you. And, and I came across this. I was preaching through Romans, again, part of Romans 1 and 2. And the words are, they're without excuse. You're in, in chapter 2, verse 1 says, you're inexcusable, O man. Now, he's talking about two different groups of people at two different times. One are those that are completely given over to to the world. They're just going down the world cycle. The other group is those that kind of, well, yeah, they're bad, but we're a bit better. Listen, if God did not let us live and have accountability for our answers, when we got to heaven, we would say, well, my excuse is, but because of creation, conscience, and Christ, we're going to stand before him without excuse, no matter what our choices were. Alex, go ahead and give an answer. Well, God made us to have a relationship with him, and in order for us to legitimately have a relationship with God, we had to have free will. God offers salvation, but he doesn't force it. And so God knows the choices people will make. But you know what? It's, it's interesting how God has so much to oversee um, different people on different journeys, but everybody has to, if, if you want to go to heaven, you have to accept Jesus, and then the rest of your life, uh, we have moral decisions that we have to make. Are we going to do right? Are we going to do wrong? And uh, Bert, somehow, without compromising his holiness, he shows grace, Without compromising our free will, he influences us and directs us, and he knows every choice. And people might ask the question, so why didn't God just skip history and go from the Garden of Eden to eternity proper? Um, We don't know, but I, I don't fully know. But part of it is everybody in heaven will be there because they received Jesus and they they wanted let me, I'll just say this and we'll stop. God wants a relationship with everybody, but not everybody wants a relationship with God. But everyone who did want a relationship with God will have it. Amen. And God made us for relationship, not robots. Don, we hope that helps you. Thank you, brother, for sharing truth with others and, and staying there with Christ. Thank you. We're going to go to Virginia and talk to Dr. V. Dr. V., I heard you called in on, yeah, for uh, Bishop uh, this uh, at noon and couldn't get through. So you're going to the second alternative, huh? And calling Bird and Alex. Thank you for calling, man. Yeah. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank thank you so much for uh, taking the call. Um, I I had a quick question. How do I know if my church has gone woke? Okay. Listen, let me tell you, if you ask that question, I, I, I'm, I, I've got one or two other things, but I'm doing it quickly. Alex can give in the particulars. If you're asking that question, it may have already happened. You know, uh, mm-hmm. listen, what you're doing, you're listening at people. They preach the gospel. The word of God is true. And Alex, you, you just preach the word. That's, I don't know how it's, it's, I know it's not easy preaching the word, but it's not complicated. You preach the word. Alex, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, there are a lot of things that uh, 
preachers do or don't preach on, but I think um, if your church has gone woke, um, the litmus test would certainly at least be where do they stand on the LGBTQ trans uh, mainstreaming. I mean, is the, the Word of God is clear. The Word of God is clear. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and anybody can be saved, but you must repent. And if, if you think that somebody can be a practicing homosexual and they feel no conviction about it, and just suddenly we've declassified that sin in spite of what the Word of God says, I, that, that's, that's wokeness. And, Bert, let me just say this. Um, for years it was the issue of abortion, but if you show me where somebody stands on the great moral issues of our day— marriage, abortion, transgenderism. If, if you tell me where you are on those issues, I will already know where you are on a dozen other issues. You really will. And The I, relationship yeah. with Israel. Um, but, uh, you know, I would say for every serious Christian, it's getting harder and harder to find churches that aren't woke. Let me give you this, and I, I think I'm exactly right. It's the identity Listen, in creation, we have our identity. It's male or female. That's our identity in God's creation. In redemption, we have our identity in Christ. And each one of those, and you look at the book of Romans, you see how creation shows you that we have identity, who we are, male with female in marriage. I was born male or a female in our identity in Christ that we agree with Christ. So what we're happening in twenty in the 2020s, I'll put it that way, is stolen identity. It's not just happening on economic levels. It is happening on issues of identity concerning who you are and who God's made you. So Dr. V, hope that helps you and uh, keep. thank you for calling. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Gary. Welcome, Gary. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, my question is in Mark uh, chapter 16, uh, verses 9 through 20, which is considered the longer ending of Mark. And uh, I'm just wondering about this uh, these, this, uh, this part of the chapter. Uh, I think it has a, the clearest statement of the Great Commission, and I would not want to uh, ignore of that portion of Mark. What, what is your opinion? Amen. Of- hey, brother, I'm right with you. If you look at Mark 16, 9 through 18 especially, you will find out it is missional. If you look at it in how to worship, uh, you're looking at what the Bible's not saying. It's talking about being on mission for God, and you're exactly right. Verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, let me just share with you the rest of it. Don't be fearful. God will take care of you. Drinking poison, taking snakes. When you're on mission for God, it doesn't mean you're not going to die, but it means that you're in the hand of God and you can trust him regardless of what takes place. Alex, I I think Gary is right on it. It's a great mission statement, brother. What about you? Well, exactly. Um, Do you know what... um, one of the ways that we know that the Bible is the Word of God, and especially the New Testament, there are all these manuscripts, and the the thousands of manuscripts that give us, they communicate to us the totality of the New Testament, 
uh, we know that God not only gave the Word, but God has preserved the Word. Um, the, the issue of Mark, you know, what they call the, quote, longer ending of Mark is nine and following, it talks about after the resurrection of Jesus, and the colors right, 15 through 18, give this incredible statement of the Great Commission. Um, it's in manuscripts, and granted, there are some that don't contain this. Some stop after verse 8, but there are... Bert, here's the thing. There are a lot of what, what are called fragments that don't contain the entirety of the New Testament or even some books. Let's remember the church at this point was under Jewish, Greek, and Roman persecution. There were concerted efforts to uh, squelch the Bible and burn manuscripts. So, no, I, I think it's traditional that it's part of it. Um, I think there, there are compelling reasons to accept what they call the longer ending of Mark, Mark 9 through 20. Uh, and also, it makes sense. It, it just really, if it did end on verse 8, that would be a rather unusual ending, wouldn't it? It really would. And again, it's complete completing it. And I do believe that. And when you read it with that in mind, with that view in mind, I, I think, think about Paul on his missionary journey to Rome, man. Uh, so don't don't take the miraculous out of it. Really don't. But also let the scriptures pre speak for what they are. Be on mission for God and don't be fearful. Hey, this is Bert and Alex with Exploring the Word, and we'll be back right after this break. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, 888-589-8840. It's Fireway Friday, your Bible questions, our best attempt at answers. Uh, Bert, where do we go next? Well, first of all, let me ask everybody to pray for Paul. He was on our Facebook page, and he's going through some issues, and he asked everyone to pray for him. So write the name Paul down and bombard heaven the next 24 hours. That's what we try to do. We're going to Larry in Ohio. Welcome, Larry. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. It's an honor to talk to you both. Well, thank you for calling. It's an honor for us to be able to talk with you, brother. All right. I had a question with uh, Matthew chapter 27, verses 52 and 53. And this has come up uh, a couple of times, and, and most recently with a, a, a man on TV named Les Feldick. And um, I haven't been able to find any references to this event happening again. Okay. Well, let's look at that. Alex, we're talking. Let me read it. Uh, verse 51, to put it in context. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. And here's 52 and 53. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Why would they take that out, man? Alex? You, yeah. Know, well, it's miraculous. I mean, when Christ died on the cross and was raised again, I actually think verse 51 
refers to when Christ was on the cross, and I actually think, uh, look at 52 and 53, it says, after his resurrection. This is called the phenomena of Matthew 27. So when Christ rose from the dead, it was such a cataclysmic event. Some of the saints uh, arose, and and this is a little snapshot of the ultimate resurrection. I, I just want to say this. There are preachers that don't preach this, but they have no legitimate reason not to. That preachers leave it out just for the same reason they some leave out the virgin birth because it was a miracle. Amen. Yes, it That's happened. It. it was a miracle. But um, the preachers that leave it out, chances are they don't believe in Moses parting the Red Sea or Noah and the Ark either. Okay, Larry, we hope that gives you. Uh, we've got a lot of callers, so we're going to try to get Alex, and I'll add anything that I feel like I need to. But let's go to Alabama and talk to Susan. Susan, thank you for calling. My pleasure. My question is about John chapter 5, verse 4, the stirring of the waters by the angel. I've been reading about it because it kind of troubles me. Uh, It's just kind of strange for an angel to be involved like that in a healing where there's all these people waiting and only one can be healed. And I I wondered about that, and I, I started studying about that one verse, and I came across some information where they say it's not in some of the early manuscripts. Okay. And it was added later as kind of an explanation. Thank you, Susan. Alex, we're getting some good calls on scriptures here. And again, let me just share with you the reason I believe it's uh, valid, many reasons, it's there. But also, it had happened year after year. People wouldn't be coming there if there wasn't some healing taking place during that time. Go ahead, Alex. Well, there's two ways to look at this, and it was definitely um, there at the Pool of uh, Bethesda, means House of Mercy. Okay, Um, legend was that an angel would come down and stir up the water, and the first person into the water after it was stirred would be made well. Now, the Bible doesn't say it actually happened. I mean, it just said that this is what people said. Now, maybe it did. Maybe it was a miracle of healing, or maybe it was just a belief that people had. And this man, an invalid of 38 years, John 5, 5, uh, said, he, I have no one to help me into the water. So um, the Bible really doesn't comment yea or nay. I mean, clearly it's in the Bible, and the Bible... Um, you know, the Spirit of God giving the words of Scripture included it. But um, whether this was—I will say this. If this was a way that God was healing people, it seems uh, really rather different than from other ways he acted, didn't it, It It does, but let me just share with you. He'll be consistent. God is consistent, but he is unique in so many ways. Don't try to put—Alex, I I say don't— you better not put God in your box, you know? Uh, he'll yeah. break out of your box, and he's done that in my life. But again, I go back. I, it's hard for me to believe that people would be waiting there and waiting there year after year unless something miraculous did happen. Now, again, we don't know all the th- whether it was an angel or whether it was something else. We do not know. But anyway, uh, we hope that helps, Susan. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Hey, Bert. Hey, Alex. 
Love talking Hello to there. you again, and I love your show. Y'all are such a blessing to me. Well, but um, I got in a conversation with a fellow truck driver, and we were discussing the end time and how the world would end. And he he seems to, he seemed to thought that the um, man was basically going to destroy themselves. But I said, well, according to what I think in the Bible, is that he is going to rain down fire and brimstone on the earth. And if we believe that man does it, don't we take that power out of God's hands? Okay, good question. Like I said, good discuss. Man, isn't it exciting how these truck drivers discuss in Scripture, Alex? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, the Bible says that the elements will melt with a fervent heat, and that's how it ultimately things will end, you know. Uh, but, look, man is going to get morally worse and worse, and God will have to intervene. And, Bert, I really think that we're almost there, don't you? Well, we are getting there closer. I was reading an article by a friend, Byron Policy, is just a great, great man of God. Life Action Ministries he is with years now. It's One Cry Ministry. And I was reading a letter that he wrote, and he says, uh, we're not just drifting right now. We are running speed ahead to, to the issues of anti-God. We really are. I, I would say this uh, concerning that. God can use any means he desires to do so, but it's still God. Now, let me just say that. I, I don't know how else to say that, Lisa. It's like Pharaoh hardening his heart. It'll say God hardened his heart, and then it'll say Pharaoh hardened his heart. Well, same thing. In other words, God can bring about his will in what he does the way he wants it. I heard a physician say, you know, it's not that doctors do the healing, either through surgery, through the medical uh, perf uh, uh, prescriptions. It's the healing that God has shown to us that we're able to do these things. But it's the God, it's God who does the healing, or we would just be taking out something. We would just be putting in something. And so I, I look at it that way, Alex. And so we, either way, it's still God and. Uh, I'm not trying to take a middle of the road, but that I believe that's the pattern in Scripture. So thank you, Lisa. Be safe out there, all you truck drivers. Let's go to Indiana and talk to Kirsten. Kirsten, thank you for calling. It says you're a first-time caller. Yes, I am. Thank you. Thank you for taking yeah. my call. Well, how long have you been listening to Exploring the Word in AFR? Two years now, oh, and I absolutely you. love it. Well, thank you for calling today. Thank Go ahead. Thank you guys so much. Your blessings. Thank you. Uh, my question is, if you spend your life uh, believing in a different God other than our Lord Jesus Christ, if you pass away, do you... Before you go to hell, I would assume, do you? does the Lord come to them and tell them, okay, you were wrong, and I'm sorry, this is this is what happens, or... Okay, great, great. You Alex, know, let me read a scripture, and then you take it away. Yeah. Here it is in Philippians. It, it makes it plain. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Regardless of how they find out about it, Alex, they will know that Jesus is Lord, won't they? Yeah, yeah. You read Luke 16, the rich man in hell, he lifted up his eyes, you know, 
But um, first of all, I think people will know. I, I really think people will know, just like people know now if they've rejected Christ. Um, but ultimately there will be, just like there's a, there's a conviction and sentencing in a court, the righteous judge will have a final verdict delivered, you know? Uh, and that's called the Great White Throne Judgment. It is. And who's going to be at the Great White Throne Judgment? Those that are lost? Well, how about believers, Alex? Uh, well, we might be watching from the shadows, but no, we're not going to be at the Great White Throne uh, because that's the judgment of the unsaved nations and masses of people. But we as believers will be at at a you know the judgment. We will have that time. It's called the Bema and uh, we will, guess what that's about? Receiving rewards or not getting rewards. So live for the Lord and do it well. So thank you for your call. Let's go to Ohio and talk to Paul. Welcome, Paul. Yeah, hello. Thank you for taking my call. You bet, brother. And, and yeah, I have a, uh, I'm going to read just a few script, scriptures very quickly, and then I got a couple of references to the strong concordance, and then I just wanted to hear your, your uh, take on it, because I've heard people talk about Michael being Jesus before, and I just wanted to touch base on these scriptures here. Go ahead. And uh, Daniel 12, 1, it says, And at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince which standeth for his children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such never was since there, since there was a nation. And the second scripture was 12, uh, I'm sorry, Revelation is 12, 7, and 8, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. And then the third one is 1 Thessalonians four sixteen. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Strong's Concordance, uh, H4317, Michael, is uh, Michael means uh, the one who is like God. If Jesus is the Son of God, we know that. And the second one is, or I'm sorry, it's, yeah, strong concordance. It's uh, Greek. It's uh, G743. In archangel, it means chief, a chief, a chief angel. Yeah. And being an angel, I don't believe that being an angel doesn't mean that you're automatically created. I mean, we know Jesus is the chief over the angels. Okay. Hey, well, let me jump yeah, in go here. Ahead. Forgive yeah, me, Paul. Go ahead. Um, um, the only people who really say that Jesus is Michael are the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they did this because they they um, don't want Jesus to be fully deity. Uh, but, I mean, clearly, uh, Michael is, you know, called the, well, the chief of angels, um, but... Jesus is not Michael. Jesus is never um, referred to as an angel. Um, so uh, I, I think it's there's really no biblical textual reason to assume that Michael, the archangel, is Jesus. Jesus and Michael are, are two different people. Now, Michael is the highest of the angels, but Jesus is not created. He's uncreated, the second person of the Trinity. That's right. And, and you have... Michael and Gabriel, you have Gabriel doing certain ways. And so they picked Michael out to try to bring Jesus into a created being. And that's the reason they did that. Thank you, Paul. We hope that helps. Let's go to Alabama. Kelly, welcome. Thank you for calling. 
Okay. Uh, thank you guys for your ministry. I really pre- appreciate you. Um, I just want to make a comment to Lynn, the previous caller, and she talked about putting Jesus on the back of her father's headstone. Yeah. Um, I was uh, thinking that she might want to put Jesus lives instead of just Jesus, um, just because that might be more clear and kind of clarify what she's doing. I, not, I know she's trying to uh, yeah. witness to people going down the road. So that's the only thing I wanted to say, and I appreciate you guys, and God bless you. Amen, Kelly. God bless you. Hey, Alex, it blesses my heart when we have callers calling in to help the other callers beforehand. And, Kelly, mm-hmm. you've you've blessed us by that. And that, that would be true. He is alive, isn't he, Alex? Amen, amen. What a wonderful family of callers we have. Where do we go now? Okay, let's go. Well, are we going to stay in Alabama? Is it Waikika? Waikita? Waikita. Okay, well, thank you for calling. First-time caller. What part of Alabama are you from? Birmingham. Okay. Birmingham. Yeah, I love that area. I have family over that way. So what's your question for us today? Thanks for receiving my call. My question is on the baptism, uh, Matthew 3, 11 and 12, I'm trying to get understanding about the fire baptism. From my understanding, uh, John baptized with water for repentance. Jesus baptized with Holy Spirit for believers. And uh, Jesus baptized with fire for unbelievers. But I hear a lot of people saying, the holiness people saying they Holy Ghost feel and fire baptized. I need you to help me understand the fire baptism. Okay. Uh, Alex, go ahead. Time-wise, it's getting away. Well, you know, uh, that's really empowerment, and it says in Acts that when the Holy Spirit came, I love the way it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it was like cloven tongues of fire. Now, the fire baptism is not the, the fires of hell. And I I do believe hell is a place of fire, just like the Bible says. But when it talks about being baptized, immersed in Christ, but being indwelt and empowered with the Holy Spirit, it is as powerful as fire, but it's not the fires of punishment and judgment. It's the fires of the Holy Spirit's strength, indwelling, and empowerment, Bert. Yeah, look at Pentecost, and it came as a rushing mighty wind. Remember the wind. And then baptized as cloven tongues of fire. As that was being described, you are seeing the power of God coming into God's people. It is a picture of God's presence in him coming in power, Alex. And we still have that today. When his presence, with his presence in our life through the Holy Spirit, guess what? We're more than conquerors in Christ. Hallelujah. Hey, you want to come back uh, next week and take care of the book of Acts? Let's do it, folks. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Keep us in prayer. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.